This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Tonight on Huckabee, economist and Trumponomics author Stephen Moore, the clean comedy of Ken Kingdom, former NYPD commissioner Bernie Garrett, and contemporary Christian band Mercy Me. We've got a great studio audience and a fantastic show all lined up for you. One of the reasons these guys are so excited is because the CDC has said that when we're indoors and we have been vaccinated, we don't have to wear a face diaper anymore. And people are happy. But I've seen some faces. I think we ought to go back to some masks. I'm just telling you. You know, we've got a complete meltdown of control at our southern border with the tragedy of a lot of little kids being trafficked as if they were boxes of Mexican fruit, suffering abuse and deprivation. The drug cartels, they're taking advantage of the border breakdown by pouring deadly drugs into our country, and it's killing people from New York to Oregon, not just on the border. Gasoline is soon going to be double the cost that it was a year ago, and some people can't even find a gas station that has any gas left. Employers, if you're one of them, you know what I'm talking about. They can't stay open because people are living off government giveaways of stimulus checks and unemployment instead of taking jobs that are available. Our schools are still closed in a lot of places because the teachers don't want to go back to the classroom. And the Middle East is being burned down by rockets which are launched by jihadist terrorists from the Hamas stronghold of Gaza. You know, at the rate he's going, Joe Biden is going to make Jimmy Carter a candidate to be the fifth president on Mount Rushmore, you know? Yeah, our audience didn't quite get that, but maybe they will at some point. Hey, I admit I didn't vote for Joe Biden. And frankly, I feared that he might lead us off the left side of the cliff. But even I thought it would take him longer than 100 days to do it, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm especially grieved to see the great progress toward peace in the Middle East that was achieved by the historic Abraham Accords being replaced by violence, destruction, and death as the terror group Hamas fires thousands of rockets toward civilian targets in Israel. And Joe Biden wants to revive the horrible deal with Iran, and supposedly that's going to cause them to give up building a nuclear weapon. But sensing real weakness on the Biden team, has emboldened Iran. And that's why they're helping to buy more rockets for Gaza so they can try to kill Israelis. This is all at a time when Gaza and the Palestinians 
could sure use some schools and streets and medical care and jobs. But instead, they use the Iranian money, and sadly, they use money that you, the American taxpayer, gives them to buy bullets, bombs, and rockets so they can kill Jews in Israel. Now, to his credit, after a few days of silence initially, President Biden finally did call Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and publicly acknowledged that Israel does have a right to defend itself against these senseless attacks on their sovereign land. But for the past four years, Israel was in the most peaceful period of the past decade and beyond. President Trump moved the embassy to Jerusalem, just as he promised, and his team tried a completely different approach to peace, which resulted in the breakthrough Abraham Accords. That brought peace, the first real peace between Israel and Arab lands in over 25 years. And because of that, he deserves credit. And because of that, the UAE, Morocco, Bahrain, and others are now trade partners and tourism partners with Israel, and other Arab nations are expected to follow suit. Joe Biden was in government for almost 50 years. Donald Trump had never held any political office. Oh, look, sure, Donald Trump could be rough around the edges, no doubt about that. But when you're stuck in a long line to get gas that's costing you twice what it did a year ago while listening to the news about violence in the Middle East and the downturn of our economy, you might want to remember that it is not the personality of a president that gives our nation its strength, its policies. And I think you might agree that the ones we're seeing right now just aren't working out real well. After a year of lockdowns, is America on track for a summer of recovery? Or are there storm clouds on the horizon as Joe Biden looks to hike taxes, spend another $2 trillion on a so-called infrastructure plan and more? Well, to help break it down, I want you to welcome to the show economist, author, and former advisor to President Donald Trump, one of the few economists that actually makes sense. Would you welcome a good friend, Stephen Moore? Well, Stephen, great to have you here. It's so great to actually see people in person. You know, Isn't this is the first nice? time in a year for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what's amazing? These people are not made out of cardboard like <laughs> exactly. we've been seeing in all the sports arenas. Real people They're real people. <laughs> Let's jump into it. Joe Biden is absolutely promising he's going to raise taxes. Uh, but he's only going to raise it on the rich people and the corporations. So what's wrong with that? Well, Governor, first of all, you know, if you look at what uh, what's happening right now with respect to the rise in inflation, we, this was inflation is a tax, right? When you go to the gas pump or you go to the grocery store and you're paying higher prices because in, in large part, in my opinion, because of Biden policies, you mentioned the gas yeah. shortages. You know, people are paying I'm people paying a dollar more a gallon for gasoline. They're paying more for meat. They're paying more for corn. They're paying more for lumber, for uh, construction costs. And that is a tax. That is a tax yeah. on our lower. And, and by the way, who gets hurt most by inflation? Not the rich people, it's people, working class and low-income people. So that's point number one. Point number two, you know, I was proud to work with Donald Trump on that tax plan we put right. together. 
Folks, we've created the best economy in 30 years, right? We did. Because of I mean, Absolutely. it was amazing. Yeah. We had the lowest unemployment rate, lowest inflation rate. Uh, one of the things I know Donald Trump is, is particularly proud of, we, we had the lowest poverty rate, Governor, in the history of the United States. Ever. Under, ever, not ever. Just, not mean, just in 10 or 20 years, ever. And not just for whites, for yeah. blacks, Hispanics, you know, single mothers, children. So it was an, a phenomenal uh, achievement. And what worries me right now is that uh, we've got a president who's kind of screwing it up. But I want to talk specifically as to, it's not just the tax increase, it's the spending on the government. That's Joe right. Biden, and, and let's be fair to him, uh, it, it's not that he's insincere. He literally and sincerely mm -hmm. believes that if the government will spend a bunch of money, mm -hmm. the economy will be supercharged. Well, why wouldn't that work? My problem is that you, when you keep spending, you keep borrowing and you keep taxing like this, government's gonna get bigger. It's no surprise that we've had inflation because it's almost like the Federal Reserve is basically just printing money and churning it out there, almost like dropping $100 bills out of helicopters. And that's the reason, by the way, that prices are rising. And if we continue to spend and borrow like this, and incidentally, the amount of money we're borrowing this year, just to give you a sense of how huh. much this is, it's more money than the United States government borrowed in adjusted for inflation to finance the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, World War I, and World War II. That's a lot of bars. <laughs> that's incredible. And I that's mean, just this year? Just this year. Wow. And, you know, our, our national debt now is over 100% of our GDP. That's, the alarms should be going off. And no great nation can do that. You know, we, the only people who are going to benefit from these spending and taxing plans are China. Let's talk China, because they cheat on trade deals. Yep. They, uh, they dump products into a marketplace and make it impossible mm -hmm. for American companies to compete. It, it, Donald Trump was standing up to he China. Was. People may not like him, but he was the first president that I can remember, Democrat or Republican, who just said, no, we're not going to let them Front push us around. story in the Wall Street Journal today showed big declines in imports from China. Hmm. And why? Because these tariffs are really starting to uh, affect China. And, and look, I'm a free trade guy, yeah. but I think China is so out of control right now. They've become such a threat on the world stage. And I, what really infuriates me is when, you know, uh, Kerry goes over there and says, oh, they're going to buy into this uh, climate change stuff. Yeah. Folks, we all know what China wants, right? They <laughs> want global dominance. They're yeah. laughing behind our back. We're, we're, you know, breaking the back of our energy industry. We're imposing all these new taxes. China's not going to do that. They're building 100 coal plants as we speak. Well, our energy system, we were energy independent for the yes. first time, and it meant prices were lower, yep. it, whether you heat your home or whether you fill your You're tank so with right. gas. The, between the Green New Deal, getting rid of the pipeline, and raising taxes, what's going to happen to just the average American? So here's my problem. I mean, when I used to talk to Trump about this, about our, America's energy policy, I said, Mr. President, if you just go all in on all of our energy, our coal, our oil, our gas, yeah. our nuclear power, I said, we can be energy independent. You know what he used to say to me? He said, Steve, I don't want energy independence. I want America to be energy dominant. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we should be, right? Like America that. should be energy dominant. We have more resources than any other country. And we have we 500 have years that. worth of coal, 300 years worth of natural gas, 300 years worth of oil, and we're shutting it down. And you know what? After 300 years, I probably won't care a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe we will be able to have windmills. David, I'm going to tell you, yeah. it is great having you here. And in Thank large you. measure, because people need to know, uh, you helped as an architect of the economic recovery that we saw for those years. And I wish you were still there now. Well, Boy, do I wish you well, were still there. Just one thing on the way out. 
It, he knew he, what, he, what he wanted to do. Yeah. And you know what? The big difference between this president and, and Donald Trump, Donald Trump was a businessman. He know, mm. knew how business works. Joe Biden, I think, is a good man. I just don't think he knows anything about business. Never signed the front of the paycheck. There and that's you go. the problem. Yep. Well, to get more from Stephen Moore, follow Stephen on Twitter, at Stephen Moore. Plus, pick up his latest book. You're going to love it. Trumponomics. You can get that anywhere you prefer buying your books. Right now, Keith, he's no economist, that's for sure. But when he tells you what's coming up, you can believe him because he actually believes what he's saying. Keith, I take do it away. Indeed. Next up, comedian Ken Kington and a little later, Texas barbecue chef Robbie Schultz. It's all coming up on Huckabee. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Go to MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow and Mike Huckabee on Twitter. Welcome back. Ken Kington is one of the most played comics on XM Radio. Now, he's got six comedy specials that have aired on multiple cable networks and a new special coming soon to Dry Bar Comedy. His fourth book, it's available now. I've got it right here in my hands, and it's called Every Day is a Bonus. I want you to welcome and get ready to laugh out loud at the very funny Ken Kington. Hey, it's real people. Hey, wow. Is anybody else just fear fatigued? Is anybody else just tired of it? As of today, the CDC numbers, 99.9% .9 of Americans do not have COVID-19, okay? And of those who do, 99.97% are not serious. So it's like, hey, you know what? That's the facts. Those are, those are opinions. Now, my observations are simply this, that I think they're making some stuff up, okay? Uh, overall, how many of you have been to a restaurant and you got to wear a mask when you go in, but as soon as you sit down, you just take it off, <laughs> Yeah. So apparently COVID cannot penetrate four and a half feet. That's, that's my take. Or maybe it's the food. I actually was on a flight last week, go through the airport, mask on, get in the plane, mask on. I sit down, I'm like, whew, finally. And the flight attendant, this ninja flight attendant came out of nowhere and she's like, oh my gosh, you got to keep your mask on, mask on, mask on. And I'm like, okay, okay I'm sorry. Why? I said, but I'm below four and a half feet. And she's like... She goes, yeah, but we're about to be above 30,000 feet. So, yeah, so I put it on, and she runs up, gets on the mic, and she's like, ladies and gentlemen, please keep your mask on unless you are actively eating or drinking. Okay. Let me just tell you, I can make that little 100-calorie bag of snacks last about two hours, all right? <laughs> Can't finish a whole one. Sorry. So here's the deal. If you don't have a mask and you're out in public and you got to wear one, just walk around on your knees below four and a half feet with a cheese it in front of you, and you should be fine. 
And, and here's the deal. Oxford, Oxford University actually did a study that said kids are more emotionally, physically, and relationally damaged by not being in school. So they're starting to open schools again. That's a good sign. Where I live, they started, they said, okay, this week we're going to let elementary school go, and then high school, and then middle school. And in phases, which makes sense, elementary school, they're all under four and a half feet. So let's get them back. <laughs> And, and I love this, though. My, my youngest son is actually in high school, and, and he was like, you know, I don't, I don't know what to do. We're like, what do you mean you don't know what to do? And he goes, I, I don't know what I want. I mean, I like virtual, but I want to go to school. And we're like, oh, buddy, I'm, I'm so sorry. You thought that was your choice. Um, <laughs> that's for mom and my's emotional health. You're going back, all right? That's just, that's going to happen. And uh, just the mask thing, oh my goodness, the mask. I actually had a lady come up to me, had one of those temporary masks on. She goes, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, you can't, you got it on backwards. I'm like, what? She goes, no, it's a blue side out, blue side out. And I'm like, if I've been going around for a year thinking I'm fine and the whole time I've been sucking COVID into my body. I'm just like, whatever. I need, I need help. I want to get to real problems, real problems like my hair. I need some help. I used to have good hair, thick, dark hair. Now this, it's turning gray. It's turning loose. It's just, and I, ladies, I want to just, every man that is watching or in the audience tonight will vouch for me. We have this feeling. It amazes us, ladies, how much hair you can lose and have any left on your head whatsoever. We take the second shower. I go to turn on the water. I'm like, holy cow. There's a small toupee down in the drain. Okay. I started picking it up and putting it on my bald spot. Okay. Now, ladies, you age incredibly well. We, we don't, guys don't even know when we're old. We don't even know when we're getting old. It's like you're 30, you're like, man, I don't feel as good as I used to. Am I old or 40s? I think I am now or 50. I, I don't know what the female version of this is. But men, when this happens, you are officially old. The other night, I pulled a muscle in my leg, sleeping. <laughs> Three in the morning, just, oh, man. I walk to the bathroom. I look like a newborn deer. <laughs> I shared that in a show the next week. This 20-something kid came up. He goes, hey, man, great show. He says, you know, you know what that is, right? I'm like, what are you talking about? He says, the cramp. You know what that is, right? I said, no. He says, you got to hydrate. You, you're dehydrated. Before you go to bed, hydrate. I said, I said, dude, I just turned 50, all right? Now I hydrate before bed. I'm peeing nine times that night, all right? Yeah. I got a choice, cramps or depends. Just, I'm sticking with the cramps for now, all right? Listen, I'm Ken Kingdon. Thank you for being here tonight. Thanks for watching. It's great to see you. Great to be back. So true. Oh. What you just said, oh. that's why these guys, some of them are laughing and others are crying. And it's the same response. 
It's just a little bit different. That is it. Well, I got, I got to tell you something. Okay. Thanks for having me on. Excited to have you. One of my, one of my sons, my one who's the training pilot right now, we had lunch right after I got the call. Yeah. And I said, uh, he said, what are you doing? So I'm going, I get to be on the Huckabee show. And he goes, Huckabee, that name <laughs> sounds familiar. And I said, well, he was the governor and he started, he ran for president. He interrupts me. He goes, isn't that Sarah Sanders, dad? <laughs> I'm not making that up. No, I know you're not. <laughs> hey, before I let you go, yeah. every day is a bonus. Where does the title come from? Why is every day a bonus? Um, a lot of people the shortest are version is basically four years ago, my heart stopped for two hours and I'm still really? alive. Wow. And the surgeon told me afterwards, he says, Ken, there's no reason you should be alive. Uh, he says, for you, you need to treat every day like it's a bonus because it is. And I just tell the story, a no lot wonder. of humor and some life change. So we yeah, want that's you back. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Mike. Great having you. Great to see you, Governor. Thank you, guys. Thanks. And Ken's new book, Every Day is a Bonus, it is available now. And after you get through with that, you know what you're going to want to do? You're going to want to check out his other books. For more of his comedy and books, take a look at his website and look him up on social media. Right now, Keith, he's looked up what we have after the break. And you're going to want to be around for it. He's going to tell you about it right now. Next, former New York City Police Commissioner Bernie Carrick, then Huck's hero, Paul Wise. You're watching Huckabee. Welcome back. Bernard Carrick is the former commissioner of the largest police department in the entire world, the New York Police Department. Now, he says bad governance, in fact, Marxist management by New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio, has turned back the clock in the city, not to the good old days, but the bad old days. Here with us tonight to break down what went wrong and how to fix it, one of my very favorite people, Commissioner Bernie Carrick. Bernie, great to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. When you first, were the first, yes. First, I have a message uh, from Rudy Giuliani. You all know Mayor Giuliani. He loves the governor. Well, it's mutual. Loves. It's mutual. You know, you bring him up, and, and I just want to, let's get, jump into something. What was done to him is absurd. They came busting into his apartment, and they could have simply had a subpoena if they wanted something. That was all show and theater. Why would they do something like that? Personally, I think it was criminal, uh, you know. And he'll, he'll address it, but it's just a shame. This is somebody that was the mayor of New York City, the associate attorney general, yeah. the U.S. attorney for the district he lives in, yep. where they came into his apartment. It's just absurd. I mean, it's unnecessary. Well, let's get into police funding in New York City. When you ran that department, people marveled at how well it was run, how safe it was to walk the streets of New York City, uh, it, it was a different place. What, what Governor, happened? keep in mind, in 1993, when Giuliani came into office, we averaged about 2,200 murders a year. That's more than Atlanta, Minneapolis, Baltimore, Chicago, Detroit combined. 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 Wow. Over the eight-year period Giuliani was in office, we dropped the violent crime by 65%, dropped the murder rate by, 80, by 70%, mm. And we actually dropped the murder rate in the black community by almost 80%. Hmm. And, and he did that 
through aggressive policing. And here's, here's the thing that, that a lot of these mayors today and governors don't understand. For every percentage point we reduce crime in New York City, we saw increases in economic development, real estate values, tourism, and reductions in the welfare rolls because there were tons of jobs in New York City. Bottom line is you have governors all over the country today and mayors that are basically creating laws that are good for the bad guys, bad for the good guys. These bail reform laws where nobody gets locked up or they let them loose. Yeah. Um, you have district attorneys that are being funded by Soros that are not prosecuting the bad guys. They're victimizing the thugs. They're villainizing the cops. And then you have mayors like Bill de Blasio who really don't care about the communities and the cops and let the, let the thugs do what they want. Bernie, when, uh, when New York started to make this change, and we've seen it in other cities, Chicago, Minneapolis, Seattle, right. Portland, um, people are afraid. I, I mean, I talk to people who live in New York, and they are afraid. Many of them are trying to get the heck out of there. You would think that somebody would wake up and say, maybe this defunding the police is not a good idea. And I'm having to imagine that being a police officer right now in a major city is a demoralizing kind of job. These thugs out there, they know they can't get arrested. They'll be let back out. They can get away with things today that they couldn't get away with before. So they embolden that element. Um, and you see a lot more confrontations with the police and, and suspects far more today than you've seen in the past. You see the resisting arrest. You see the interfering with an arrest. You see assault on cops. You didn't see that kind of stuff yeah. 15, 20 years ago. What would you do today if, if de Blasio, not that he will, but if he called you up and said, Bernie, we need you back. The city's a mess. Come back. Tell me, in the first 30 days as commissioner, what would be your plan? I want 4,000 more cops. I want the district attorney to start prosecuting the following crimes that they're not prosecuting. I want the legislators and the governor to enact, to reverse the bail reform laws that they've enacted, um, do that and push law enforcement like Giuliani did. And I promise you, you'll see a change within three months. You know, it was amazing that people in the minority communities in the poorest parts of New York were the ones who actually supported a strong police force because it was their communities that it was most unsafe in. Uh, but Governor, keep this in mind. The biggest benefactors, the biggest benefactors of the reductions in crime and violent crime and murder in New York City, the biggest benefactors were the black community mm. because that's where the violence was the highest, was the most. Well, we went in there, you know, full force. And at the end, you had an 80% reduction in murder. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. Safer place to be, largely because of your leadership. Bernie Carrick, thank you so much. Uh, former New York police commissioner. And you can keep up with Commissioner Carrick on Twitter at Bernard Carrick. Also, go to his website. And he's got a lot of best-selling books. There's a reason they're best-selling books, because they're fantastic and give a lot of insight into stuff that's going on today. And for what's coming up, we turn to a man who is used to dealing with the police, but in a totally different way, Keith Bilbrey. Take it away, careful, Keith. Careful, Up next, it's Huck's hero, Bo Wise, plus inspirational pop band, Mercy Me. More Huckabee is on the way.
In the blink of an eye, a major storm can wipe out everything that you've worked for. And more than losing material possessions, people often lose hope. It's the mission of Samaritan's Purse to reach out to those who have lost hope, as well as lost homes, and to bring them much-needed relief, support, and the grace of God. The volunteers of Samaritan's Purse help people put their homes back together, but more importantly, they help people get their hope back by giving them love and prayer. I really hope you'll consider calling Samaritan's Purse or visiting their website today and being a crucial part of helping bring real help to people who need it the most. Your generous gift will make a difference in the lives of hurting people. And you know what else? It'll make a difference in your life as well. Thank you and God bless for helping Samaritan's Purse. Well, our Huck's hero tonight are three brothers who served in the U.S. Armed Forces in Afghanistan and then the Reserves until 2020. The youngest has written their story. It's the story of a Navy SEAL, a Green Beret, and how their Marine brother became a war's sole survivor. By telling their story, he honors his brothers and all the fallen and their families, the legacy of service and their willingness to sacrifice for our country and our freedom are why these three wise men are our Huck's heroes. My name is Bo Wise. I uh, grew up the youngest of four in South Arkansas. My uh, oldest brother was named Jeremy, and then my older brother Ben, and my sister Heather, and myself. And then after growing up, Jeremy became a Navy SEAL. Ben would enlist in the Army. Those two were larger than life, and then Ben would go a step further and become a Green Beret. In 2008, finally, I'd leave college and enlist in the Marine Corps. We communicated, Ben and myself, um, back and forth from Afghanistan, uh, but uh, Jeremy, unfortunately, we only had one interaction, and that was uh, from his, uh, where he was stationed at Fob Chapman in Coast Province, Afghanistan, to my little patrol base in Helmand Province, Afghanistan. And that was the last time I spoke to him. He was killed by a suicide bomber in Fob Chapman, December 30th, 2009. We buried him and very swiftly went back to Afghanistan and finished our respective deployments. Ben's battalion got extended. Uh, my battalion came home on time, and as he was wrapping up that deployment, he was in a firefight in Balkh province, Afghanistan. And, um, he was shot multiple times and succumbed to his wounds on January uh, 15, 2012. The sole survivor designation, um, I, I never really knew for sure what the entire restrictions were. Um, in the end, looking back, I think it was, I, I do believe uh, the Commandant made the best decision and I understand it being a father now. At the time, I was frustrated and being removed from the in infantry kind of made me feel like I didn't have an outlet. And one day I started journaling. It was a lot easier back then, especially for me to write than it was to speak. Ended up being a very very healthy outlet for me. And then one day uh, I got approached about um, honoring Jeremy and Ben with a book. And uh, we worked nearly three years um, interviewing Green Berets and SEALs and collecting combat stories and trying to honor their memory as best as we can. 
Please join me in honoring our Hucks heroes, Jeremy, Ben, and joining us here in studio, their brother, Bo Wise. Bo, this is a story, it's very emotional just to even sit and visit with you and to read the book. Two older brothers, they're both killed in Afghanistan. You're the only one left. The Marine Commandant says, we got to get you home. Because they didn't want the entire family wiped out in Afghanistan. And I know your first reaction was not, oh, good, I get to get out of this place. You were angry at the Commandant at first. Yes, sir, a little bit. You, you wanted to stay. I mean, I think all of us are having a hard time understanding. Why would you want to stay in a place that had already taken both your brothers? Well, it, it wasn't really the thought of Afghanistan. It was the thought of my fellow Marines mm. and kind of... Uh, I happened into the Marine Corps, but I fell in love with it. And it was, uh, you know, just 30 guys in my platoon that just made it home, you know, and it was 30 guys in the next platoon. And so wherever I went, I just, one of those clicks, everything just kind of came together. And it was not just um, grief after losing two brothers, it was fear of losing my brotherhood as well. And I think that was one of the things that, you know, shocked me at first. Was there something that your parents kind of drilled into you that made you patriots, that made you want to serve and, and make that kind of sacrifice? Because it just seems unusual that when one family you'd have this much commitment, a Navy SEAL, a Green Beret, and a Marine, for heaven's sakes. Sir, yes, sir. Uh, actually, my mom asked the same question, and she asked it to Jeremy one time. And he said, Mom, it was you. Because <laughs> she used to give us, you know, World War II stories, and she was quite the historian. Her father served in World War II, and her uncle as well, so... We got a lot of that exposure very, very early, so, um, and we always just kind of aspired to it. And I think, you know, Ben was the first to just take the plunge, and, and that, I think, inspired Jeremy and inspired me and just started the trickle effect, and we just all found our own individual place. I, I know that there are days that it must just be very, very painful to think about your brothers and that they're not there with you anymore. How do you cope with that? You know, I... I I don't think that there's a, a perfect solution, but um, I, I could tell you the way that I initially responded to it by withdrawing from my faith was mm -hmm. uh, led me down a very, very dark path. But um, getting back into my family and um, you know, with, uh, just healing the wounds with my marriage, which were self-inflicted mostly by me, if not entirely by me, and and then we eventually God blessed us and we adopted two children, and now we've just invested in our own family and doing everything we can to you know, stay healthy and stay straight. I hope every person will get the book and read it and be reminded of what people are willing to do for the rest of us. Bo, thank you. Sir. Thank you. Thank God you, bless you. This book is a stirring, intimate portrait of combat and the strength of family in the most trying of times. Three Wise Men, it's available now. I can't imagine anything that'll make you more appreciative of our country and the men and women who fight for it than this book, Three Wise Men. Keith, if you'll tell us what we have coming up tonight, I have a feeling we'll be wiser from having known that. Well, one of your favorite subjects, Governor, coming up, Texas Barbecue Pro Robbie Schultz and Christian rock band Mercy Me. Stay with Huckabee. Next week on Huckabee, co-parenting advocate Mark Ludwig and magician Derek Hughes.
And welcome back. Hey, let's have a big hand of applause for Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. Now, for five generations, the Schultz family has been smoking up some of the world's very best barbecue and smoked meats at the finest tourist trap in Texas, the Bear Creek Smokehouse. Earlier today, we went outside the studio where Robbie Schultz tried to teach me how to make the perfect smoked brisket. Well, we're here with Robbie Schultz from uh, Bear Creek out in Texas. You're going to show us a little about how to do a Texas brisket, because I got to admit, pork may be great in Arkansas, but son, when it comes to beef, nobody beats Texas with the brisket. Governor, once you cross that border, we go to beef. All right, we're going to prep it, we're yeah. going to season it, and then we're going to cook it. We are. So we've got, I like to use the prime briskets, yep. but a lot of times I'll take my knife and just kind of do a little trim up on them. All right. I'm just going to go with some of this uh, loose fat right here, cut that off. I'm going to go around the side now of this. Now, some people would wonder, are you taking a lot of flavor out by doing well, that? Well, a little bit, but um, it actually saves a lot of grease going down in your pit and maybe causing mm. a fire or whatever. And it's all so, about healthy food, too, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, of course yeah, it is. Healthy food. That's what we're okay, doing. Okay, we're going to flip this over. Okay, so um, this is the flat down here, yep. and this is the end with the decal on it. It usually has a little more fat. So I'm going to just remove a little bit more of that. Mm -hmm. And that looks great. Let's put some of that rub on there. Let's do it. Just go for it. All right. There we go. I love the, the dry rubs. And you know, what kind of uh, wood do you like to smoke with? Governor? You know, it depends on the meat. If it's pork, I kind of like some uh, apple wood or pecan. Um, hickory's great always. Mesquite. Right. You know? Right. We uh, don't have much mesquite. Pine, believe if it. You ha no, I'm kidding no, about pine's the pine. pine. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Let's get a little bit right here. I'm going to flip this baby over. All right. So here we go. We're going to put a little on the back side. I like to cook my briskets at around 250, somewhere right around in there, and um, get them up to an internal temperature of about 200 to get them nice 200. and tender. Yes, sir. So, you know, if you put too much heat on a brisket, a lot of times it'll work just like trying to wring out a sponge. It'll yeah. just shrivel up and all the juice is gonna like drip. It's gonna go out the bottom of the pit. But you're gonna cook it to 200 for how long? Two, about 250, and I'd say about 12 to 15 hours. Wow, that's a now, long, good time to it, really break it down. Yeah, 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 but it's gonna, it's normally Let's a tough- Let's get the sides uh, on that sucker. Sure, it's normally a tough cut of meat, but if you do it low and slow, it's gonna turn out to be one of the most tender, juicy cuts of meat you the ever put in The way God intended it to be, That's right, right that's right. That's ain't, looking beautiful. Ain't no right vegans there. around here, that's for no, sure. Sir. No. All right. All right. That is looking really nice. Mm -hmm. um, so, now what we would do is actually take this over and put it on the smoker. And the okay. way I like to do them is put them with the fat, fat side up. up. Let it get down and put yeah. the flavor in it. Absolutely. So, um, you know, you just, it, it takes, it's a process, but I like to get the, the nice bark on the outside yeah. of the brisket. And then I'll take uh, butcher paper, a non-waxed paper, and it's available at a, a lot of like yeah. barbecue places. Grab some of that, wrap it up, and then finish it off in the smoker. And it, that helps to like finish it off with a little moisture inside the So you don't do it package. in foil, you do it in a, like a parchment paper or a butcher paper? It's, it's butcher paper, okay. and you know what? I started to bring one, and I thought, these people are gonna think I'm crazy. Uh, we have longhorns, and so yeah. a lot of times I'll take an empty 
uh, cattle cube bag, uh -huh. put my brisket down in there, wrap it up and put it on the smoker mm -hmm. and it works great. It's, they're triple layered and it keeps all that moisture in and they're just turned out wonderful. But, I'm, gonna, uh, I'm gonna trust you on that, I am. Yeah, you ain't gonna try it, are you? I, no, I'm gonna try it. <laughs> I don't know if I'm gonna let anybody else try it, but I'm gonna try it, I absolutely. Hear you. I hear you, but they, they turn out great that way. Yeah. Take them out the, you know, when they're done and just slice on this end, starting that way. And I, let me show you what we Let's got. Let's take a look. Here. All right. Oh yeah. So um, this is a reverse flow smoker. I got the business end right down here where the fire is. Oh, that's hot. Mm. And then, so the smoke comes through here, the smoke and heat comes through here and goes right out the tailpipe wow. right here. Well, I think it's about time for us to uh, give it a try. Well, earlier today, Robbie Schultz and I were outside. We were doing a little cooking. And Robbie, I'm telling you, this is so fantastic. This is a genuine Texas brisket, isn't it? Yes, sir. Well, we had to bring a little taste of Texas all the way up to Tennessee. Show I'm, you I'm, folks how we do it down yonder. I am glad you did the, the Bear Creek <clears throat> Smokehouse method. You, how many pounds of meat a year do y'all go through? A couple million. No kidding. Yes. Sir. Literally a couple of million. Mm -hmm. Not just in this, but we do a lot of pork bellies, bacon. All right. I think what we should do <clears throat> is cut into a little bit of this and try it. Now, you've got a couple of sauces that you guys make. Yeah, I've got our barbecue sauce. I've got a jalapeno honey mustard. Okay, okay, here we go. We got a little bit of our German sausage here. All right. I'm just going to cut a little bit of it. Do you mind okay. if I just give you a little dip? I don't mind at all. There you go. Speaking of little dips, Trey's over there. We're going to see if he's a... We're... <laughs> it's pick on the good looking guy. I'm telling you, it's not fair. <laughs> I mean, that was, that was a layup, man. Now let me give you a little shot of this uh, okay. Polish sausage, just a little more red pepper. Mm -hmm. So you may... Do you want it with the mustard or do you want it plain? Let me try it with that other sauce. With the barbecue sauce? Okay. There we go. And it may take me 10 or 12 to really know what I like it. Yeah, I hear you. Well, I could cut more. Mm. But actually, <clears throat> I like the pepper in that. It's nice. I really sauce. do. Got some bite to it. It's nice. Now, you also brought some of your uh, rub. Yeah, this, so this is what we used uh, earlier on the brisket. Yeah. You know, we rubbed it down. Uh, we trimmed it a little bit, rubbed it down. It's just a, uh, a bunch of simple spices, salt, pepper, um, it's got, let's see, what else? Paprika, garlic powder, little onion powder. Are we gonna slice a little of this? Yeah, you betcha. I, I thought you'd never so, ask. So, so here we go. Oh man, um, look, at look at that. Look at that smoker. Oh, look at that. That is just as perfect, look at the. We're supposed to know what we're doing down in Texas. I believe you do. There we go. Mm. See, see what you think. Can y'all smell that? Mm. That will set you free right there, I'm telling you. Yes, sir. That's yes, how sir. brisket's supposed to be done. I yeah. gotta admit. We can do pork in Arkansas, but ain't nobody can do beef any better than the people in Texas. That's the way it's supposed to be done. I appreciate mm. it. Thank you. Thank mm. you. We love doing it. Mm. it. It's not a quick process, you know. It's a, it's you a told 12 me to out 15. There, 12 to 15 hours? Yes, sir. Mm. Be yeah, up it, all it, night. It takes a little patience and a little time. I got a mouthful of meat. <laughs> but I got to tell these folks something. If you want your copy, of the Bare Bottom Bliss, this book, this wonderful cookbook. I've been looking through it. Go to the website, check them out on social media. And here's a, they're gonna love this in the audience. Cause if you're in our audience tonight, <clears throat> lucky you, you are gonna be taking home a copy of Bare Bottom Bliss. And you can thank Robbie and the gang for that. There we go. Oh yeah. 
I get the meat, you get the book. Now stay tuned for some great music for Mercy Me coming up next on Huckabee. And welcome back. Now, our musical guest needs no introduction, but by golly, they're going to get one anyhow, because I insist upon it. Pop Christian music band Mercy Me, get this, has 47 number one hit songs. That's a lot of hit songs. A lot. Inhale, Exhale is Mercy Me's brand new album, and its current single, Say I Want, was inspired by the real-life story of Gary Miracle. Now, Gary is one of Mercy Me's staff, who had a life-threatening illness that resulted in the loss of both his arms and legs. Mercy Me captures the depth of Gary's suffering, strength, profound faith, and his ability to turn a tragedy into a stunning victory through his perseverance. Here to tell us more, Mercy Me. Great to have you guys here. Thank you, John. Yeah, great to be here. I want to get right into Gary's story because it obviously had a big inspiration on on the album, but particularly the, the song, Say I Want. In a nutshell, what does that song communicate to us? Man, I think uh, over the 27 years we've been a band, we've probably been known for writing a few funeral songs, people mm. would say, like Imagine Stuff. This song is strictly all about living and taking advantage of every second and just seeing Gary's outlook with everything he went through and just uh, don't know how he does it. And his, his faith and everything was just, it blew our minds and it, it just showed up in our music, whether we liked it or not. Just he's part of the family and it kind of, it started off talking about our identity in Christ and ended up more of a overcomer kind of rocky moment, if you will. Well, the video is, is very unique and beautiful. And at first you're kind of stunned by it. And you're thinking, this is gonna be a real downer, but it isn't. You see this guy with all his arms and legs gone, he tells his story and then the music comes and it's so powerful to remind us you see this guy? He's getting okay. So as, as you wrote the song, recorded the song, to those of you in the band, how did it impact you on a personal, spiritual level? Oh, goodness. You know, there's always a song on a record that becomes kind of the emotional anchor for the rest of the record, and that certainly happened for us. This was a song that was actually written early on. We regrouped a little mm. bit and finished it later on. And um, from a distance, because of everything that happened last year, I had to watch what Gary was going through. And so for us... It's something that's, which is par for the course for us, a song that's very, very personal for us. Yeah. I, you can ask each one of us, and this song, I, I assume, in a lot of ways, is the emotional anchor for the rest of the record. Well, the whole album is fantastic. You guys had a whole year of uh, no shows because you were dealing with COVID, <laughs> and you can tell you put your heart and soul in it. I think every Mercy Me fan had better buy this album before they, <laughs> they can't make enough of them. We totally agree. <laughs> totally agree. You know what? I knew you would, Bart. Somehow I just knew that. Well, in a moment, Mercy Me is going to perform for us. But right now, Keith Bilbrey is going to tell you how you can get more of the great music of Mercy Me, which I promise you're going to want, especially this album. You can purchase your copy of Inhale, Exhale everywhere music is sold. Now, for touring information, go to their website, mercyme.org. After the show, go to Huckabee.tv for a bonus song. And now, here to perform Say I Want is Mercy Me.
day it all begins I'm seeing my life for the very first time through a different lens yesterday I didn't understand driving 35 with a rocket inside didn't know what I had See you. 